0: Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen. Hope things are going well for you. Over here, things are actually going pretty well. I've been going... uh, I've been getting more therapy lately. That's been interesting. It's been really good. I've been recently seeing Verity Vale with... uh, She's she's actually a hypnotherapist, Verity Vale. You got to check her out. Um, I actually do a podcast. I've done a podcast with her. You need to listen to it because she explains a bit about um, what hypnotherapy is about. We discuss it. And it is such an unusual experience. I don't know if unusual is the right word. It's a different take on therapy. And I think that that's what helps make it so effective because it's just not your typical. Um, it doesn't go along with your typical idea of what therapy is, but it's also not scary like whatever you might associate with the idea of hypnotherapy. I was a little bit freaked out about it, and um, but it w- ended up being just really. It just like it had a lasting effect, and I think that's what was really astounding to me because I felt really great right after the session. Um, But it actually lasted like and I'm still feeling it was like, I feel like it must have been at least a month ago now. And I feel like uh, I still feel the effects of it. Like I can still kind of go back and remember things that we went over in the session. And it was just it was really helpful. I'm excited to go back. Um, And I've also been doing some therapy through Tranquility online. So you can, it's the Tranquility app. You can find them on Instagram at Tranquility app and that's Picard. He says, hi. And, uh, but yeah, I've been doing that and I've been getting coached by Joel, who's also one of the co-founders of Tranquility and, uh, it's about cognitive behavioral therapy. So you learn about that. It's online. You do these sessions online and then you, um, have, I have a weekly, a weekly, like, call with Joel, and we go over what, like, I've learned in the session, and we talk about some, uh, like, using some of the techniques for, like, basically uh, facing certain anxieties and kind of trying to, um, what's, like, balance balance them. So it's, it's really good. It's just been really uh, healthy, and it's been like as a natural effect. And I think I talked about this last week, but as a natural effect, it makes you more anxious for a little while, but then of course it ultimately gets way better. Like you feel way better than you did before you started the therapy. So um, it's been really helpful, really helpful. And it's been getting me to think more about some of the Some of the things are kind of holding me back and I've realized that I do have a lot of fear. Like I'm afraid of a lot and it's not just things that, that are on the outside. Like it's not just, it doesn't just have to do with like the outside world, with people, with situations out there, but I have a lot of fear even when it comes to who I am. It's scary to look at yourself and actually try to see who you are and admit to certain Weaknesses, of course, but it's also scary to admit to some strengths because with certain strengths, you do have to expose a certain part of yourself and it's, it's scary. So I've been looking more deeply into, into that, into what I believe my potential is and it's, it's challenging and of course it's liberating and, uh, and it's definitely scary. But I think that, I mean, I mean this is something that any, any person who has kind of accomplished some of the greater feats um, will say. You know, you, you listen to these interviews and um, read books by these people, and they always say that when you face that darkness, when you face those scary things in yourself... That does like that leads to greater things because it helps you actually fulfill your potential. It's like it helps you come out as who you are. And I think that it's also pretty natural to start coming out as who you are when you're, um, it's when just as you start getting older, because you just start realizing that you have all of these individual experiences that. Only you have had like the experiences that you have are just unique to you and we can all find ways to relate with one another through certain experiences. But that combination of experiences, of course, that's unique to you and that it makes uh, its impression on you and it affects who you are as a person. So, um, and it just, it just makes you different and then you have to, you do have to look at yourself and, and be like, okay, I can't, I have, I can't keep doing this thing where I'm comparing myself to other people and trying to be like them because I just can't be, I can't be like another person as much as I want to be because I'm just, I just, I'm not made up of the same experiences as that person. So it's been really healthy and, uh, I'm feeling tired by all of it but it's the kind of tired where it's like, ah, yes, but I'm actually going somewhere, and that's why I'm tired. So that's nice. So I got to interview Kevin Breen. One cool fact about Kevin is that he used to be a wrestler, and that just fascinates me. He's actually going to be starting a podcast on, um, on wrestling, so he's gonna he he talks about it in this in this episode. So I'll I'll let you hear it from him. But um, if you're a wrestler fan, a wrestling fan, you definitely need to follow this guy. So there's one thing. Um, another thing is that he's very kind, and it was uh, it was cool. We we kind of got to know each other better at um, what was it a podcasting like meetup. I'm not, I'm not thinking of the right word for it, but anyway, it was like a podcaster's meetup. He was there. It was, um, and we ended up just, we ended up talking about, about our lives really. And he had heard about optimistically depressed and he listens to it. And he mentioned how some of the things that I had talked about really, really like hit home with him. And so then as we got talking more, he shared a little bit of his story and I thought, okay, well, obviously we've got to make a podcast out of this because he's fascinating. He's, he's got, he's had some real, like, like real significant challenges in his life that he's over, that he's overcome parts of it and is currently still coping with and overcoming many huge, huge parts of it. So he has awesome advice when it comes to coping with something that is life-threatening and how it uh, just changes your aspect on on life. When you all of a sudden you're looking and you're th- seeing like, okay, there are some, like, I don't really know how my health is going to look just a few months down the road. And it was just really interesting, and I felt I feel really privileged that he opened up with me about how it, how it looks to him and how he copes with it. So um, I'm just yeah, I think that's what I'm going to share at this point. I don't want to spoil all of it. Have a listen, uh, and just please don't forget if there are any questions or anything that you're intrigued by please send me a message. Um, I like to be able to start a conversation about all of these kinds of things. So just know that I you can reach me. You can reach me on Instagram uh, at optimistically depressed or Twitter, optimistically depressed. Facebook, optimistically depressed. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying optimistically depressed a whole bunch of times until it finally it just like sticks in your head. And you're like, okay, yeah, I'll just basically go online and type in optimistically depressed, and I'm going to pop up, and then you can talk to me. So that's that. I'm going to let us get to the podcast, get to the interview. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. So it's Ruth here with Kevin Breen. Hello. <laughs> and and Picard who is in the uh, pursuit of his tail. Oh, he caught it. So hopefully things calm down a little bit, but usually gets away and then it starts all over again. So um if you hear anything in the background, that's what that is. <laughs> so Kevin, um Kevin was just telling me a little bit about how uh he used to wrestle. That's right. And Um, and you're going to be doing a podcast on it. I am. Yeah. Okay. So I find that really cool. (laughs) And do you want to just talk a little bit about that to give people a little taste?
1: Um, sure. So I'm just going to give like my experiences on how I got into wrestling, how I got into becoming a wrestler and, um, then, you know, just some road stories. And then I'll, you know, after a couple episodes like that, I'll get into the pro like the WWE. Now there's a new AEW that just started last night, uh, October second. I don't know when this is coming up, but October second. Okay. They had the, they had a show, so things are, you know, blowing up in the wrestling world. It's pretty neat to be a fan right now. So
0: that's really cool. Yeah. And do you, have you come up with a name of your? I have
1: not. I'm. You're working on it. Racking my brain to think coming of a up, name.
0: Yeah, coming up with a name is like. Yeah. S- tough work yeah (laughs) that's like half the battle yeah yeah
1: i have a like a name of a like live action wrestling okay is what i call my brand okay where wrestling is the law I see law live action wrestling so (laughs) 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 okay
0: that's clever so i might
1: just go with that if i can't think of anything in time like live action wrestling presents or whatever so yeah yeah that's really cool yeah
0: And, uh, do you have a timeline of when you want to start it?
1: I'm hoping to get it out by mid-November. Yeah? Yeah. I'm just, I just got to do it. Yeah. Just, just do it. Yeah. That's what they
0: say. I'm going to be listening for that because I'm, I'm definitely (laughs) going to be, I'm going to be listening to that. Um, so you're here, we're going to be talking about some deep stuff. Yep. I'm really excited. We got to talk. So we met, um, two weeks ago. Yeah. And we got to talk a little bit about your, a little bit about your life and it was like, I found it fascinating and I was just like, okay, would you be interested in coming on the (laughs) podcast? And you're like, sure. Sure. Because you're a brave individual.
1: This is my only second time on a podcast. so
0: (laughs) Seriously. Oh, ever. Yeah. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And the other podcast that you're on is... Pieces of Us. And Pieces of Us, everybody, is a great podcast. You should definitely give it a listen. Her and I are going to be collaborating... Next week, I think.
1: And I think my episode's coming out in mid-November as well. Oh, with, with her? Yeah.
0: Okay, so listen for Kevin Breen on Pieces of Us. So um, so I have started a slightly new format for the podcast. I've started writing down a couple questions, and I sent them to you. And we're not going to necessarily hit all of these but I, I want to see kind of where this might go. Right. And uh, But I first want to start with just some some little things to help us get to know you a little bit better. Sure. So where are you from?
1: I'm from Dartmouth. And you grew up there? Grew up in Dartmouth, yeah. Went to Dartmouth High. Yeah.
0: How was that? It was great. <laughs> That's so cool. So then do you get pretty sick of all those like the dark side... Comments that people
1: make? Uh, I don't. It doesn't really bother me. Yeah, you're just kind of like whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I got the same way with like I'm from Magnetawan and in like the towns that were around that, people were like people would make fun of Magnetawan a lot. Magnetawan's awesome for the record, but and it, it actually turned around since then. I think, I mean like the perception. Yeah. But
1: yeah, like Dartmouth, they call it uh, they call downtown Dartmouth like the Brooklyn of halifax so it's i heard that somewhere so hey downtown dartmouth is you know there's a lot of new little restaurants and shops and
0: yeah we've actually yeah yeah, we've been down there and we've been testing out some of the restaurants around there and they're incredible like they're really good tasty and fun like it does have like a really good like a good vibe going on there
1: yeah
0: okay i haven't heard that before but that totally makes sense Mm -hmm. and so you went to dartmouth high and how was like how is how is your life? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, uh, I remember when I was there, they wanted me to join the football team, and because uh, I'm a six you know, that's pre- I don't know how much I was then. I'm about three hundred pounds now. Okay. And um, so this can sort of segue into some of the stuff we're talking to later um, because of. The kidney issues I knew I had then, I wasn't able to play any contact sports because my kidneys were damaged. So they're like, if you get, you know, football's rough, you get a shot the wrong way, then that could damage your kidneys pretty bad. And who knows what could happen? Um, so I end up, when I was in grade 12, uh, I didn't really know anything about f- much about football, but I wanted to know, learn more. So I went and basically said, what can I do to help? And the special teams coach at the time was like, well, if you basically, you help me, I'll teach you how to coach special teams. So I learned how to coach special teams and yeah, and running backs. And it was, and then when I graduated, I went back and kept helping for a couple of years and got a little bit of a career in coaching. So that was pretty fun.
0: And how did you get, uh, how did you get kidney issues?
1: So when I was around four or five years old, I used to get really sick and, um, I'd get really high fevers and the doctors didn't know what was happening. And, um, my grandfather had issues that my dad recognized in me. My grandfather was sick. He had MS. And, um, my dad said, you should test for these things. And they were like, well, you know, he's young. We don't really want to do all these tests. They finally did. And they found out that I was having um, bladder infections because the tubes that go from your bladder to your kidneys, there's little flaps that that stop uh, what's called reflux. Yeah. So those weren't working. So that was damaging the kidneys. Every time I would get really sick, I I would be having an infection and it'd be damaging them. But because I was always bigger for my age, they didn't think to look for the kidneys because usually if you have kidney issues it affects your growth when you're younger. So Whoa. <coughs> they did an operation to replace the tubes. And back in the eighties, they thought that that was a hundred percent cure. Okay. And then, so fast forward to high school, I would go to see a nephrologist every once in a while, just to make sure everything was all right. <coughs> Excuse me. And then, um, things were good. And then, uh, I went back I think just uh, just after high school and they started to put me on some medication because they said things were, levels were a bit high, but everything was, you know, pretty good. And they said, you're, basically you're cured, you're good. And then fast forward to last May, um, I went and got some blood work done. There's a new nephrologist and she basically said um, by uh, September of last year, We think you're going to be on dialysis and then we're going to have to replace your kidney. And that was a pretty big slap in the face because I never thought, from what I had known, I wasn't supposed to get that bad. So
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone was like, "Nope, this is good. This is 100%. Mm -hmm.
1: And the nephrologist said that now if they have to do that surgery to younger kids, it's a 50-50. And they know pretty soon after if it worked or if it didn't. And if it didn't, then they know how, they know the road to take to help the situations out.
0: Okay. So So they've learned that since then. Yeah. They didn't know that with you. Right. (laughs) Wow. And, but you're currently not on dialysis.
1: I'm not. So they said, um, basically, um, they gave me a lot of factors that affect kidneys. So a lot of things I wouldn't think of stress. Is a big ish is a big factor. Stress is really hard on your body. Your kidneys have to deal with that. Yeah. So I started to I work for my parents. So I started to work from home. They really great. They let me do that. Okay. Um, diet. I was on a pretty strict diet, but I would you know, you know, have a bag of chips here and there. Or on my way to work, I'd get a subway sub because I'd be in a rush and be like, oh, it's just a sub. What's the big deal? Yeah. So I really had to firm up on that because, uh, you know, I'm um, no pota- low potassium, uh, phosphorus, uh, protein. Like there, so like tomatoes, bananas, oranges, certain types of beans. Um, if you, if I want to have like a steak, it has to be like the size of a deck of cards. That's as much protein as I'm supposed to have in a day. So I was wow. sort of, uh, no salt added, Oof. uh, no, no canned vegetables, no processed meats, no, wow. like frozen dinners, like have to cook everything from scratch, which we were doing, but we firmed that up quite a bit. Yeah. Cut out pop completely, which was really hard. SodaStream was a big lifesaver.
0: I love SodaStream. Yeah, I yeah. love it too.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I started to work from home and I started to go to the gym a couple times a week and I lost 20 pounds pretty quick when I started that. And then, um. Yeah, I just, the whole lifestyle change, I just kept buying myself a little bit more time, a little bit more time, a little bit more time, and now it's been a little over a year, and my levels are now starting to get, what's well, funny, I went, I think it was in August, and my creatinine, which is a big factor of the kidneys working, was 800, which I don't know what a regular, what an average number is, but anything over 800 is dialysis or transplant territory. So they, the doctor was like, you know, 800 is bad. You're going to have to go get your blood taken every two weeks. Again, we think, I think my stomach Cause I said, I think they said again, September, you're going to be on dialysis. So I don't know. I kind of laugh and say to my wife, I think my body's kind of like, we're not going to let that happen. We have to, we have to do things different. Cause I mean, it's what October, the second, the first week of October. Yeah. And she always calls me after my blood tests, if they're bad and. Here I sit with no dialysis yet, so I just keep dodging that bullet. I mean, I know it's coming, but I just keep buying myself more and more time. And what they like to say is the longer you can keep your original kidneys, the better. Okay. Because um, my size um, and just the wear and tear I would put on a kidney, um, they think I'll need, like, I'll get a transplant. And then they think in maybe another 15 or 20 years, I'll probably need another one. Who knows what the technology will be like. So if I can keep these as long as I can without damaging other parts of my body, then that's what they're hoping for.
0: Wow. (laughs) How does it feel when you're kind of like, when you're looking at your future and you're kind of like, this, this is going to be a part of my future.
1: Yeah. Um, So sometimes I'll have bad days. And I'll feel, because there's symptoms, like you feel sick or whatever. Yeah. But I'm always like, it's going to get, it's going to get better because when I get the new kidney, I won't feel as tired. I won't feel this. I won't feel this. So it's basically just, you know, taking a minute, you know, acknowledging how I feel and then just saying to myself, it could, first of all, I say it could be worse. It could be something not curable. Well, that's a good point. And then I just say, you know, it's going to get better. It's going to be gradual, but it's it good. I'm going to... There's going to be a day where if I'm tired, it's because I didn't get enough sleep, not just because my body's fighting whatever it's fighting.
0: I really love that point of view of it's going to get better. Something that I've actually been trying to apply to myself because I've, like, I've depression and, um, or I've been diagnosed with depression and, um, and like, you have, and I have anxiety as well. And you have those days where you're kind of I have like, those
1: too. So that's fun th- to have all three. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. <laughs> and we're going to, we're still going to dive into that too. Um, and, uh, so like when I've, I, when I have days a lot, like my old habits would be like, my thought would automatically be, this is just terrible. And I wouldn't really be thinking about how it's going to get better. I would, I would just be thinking it's not going to get better. Right. This is what my life is.
1: Just go upstairs and. Hide under the covers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so what makes you, what, what makes you believe that it is going to get better?
1: They tell me it's going to get better. And, uh, I feel like it's, I mean, it's not really that bad now. Like I'm very lucky in that the only thing wrong with me is the kidney disease. A lot of other people have diabetes or they have heart issues or they're like my age helps. But um, every time, it's funny, um, and I mentioned this in the other podcast, uh, one of the difficult things is I don't look sick, right? Like no, if you It doesn't look like I have anything wrong with me. No. I'm really sick. <laughs> like my kidney function is like 8%. Whoa. Or 8 to 10%. Whoa. Right? Okay. So um, at any minute, like I have, I know I'm sort of going off track, but I, we no, have what's called a to-go bag because okay. I'm on the deceased donor list. They could call me while I'm here and say, we have a kidney ready for you let's go. Right. So, um, wow. Yeah. So it's hard when that's also hard when you're not feeling well and you tell people you don't feel well and they're kind of like, you can sort of see sometimes they're like, really? Or, you know, you go for tests and they're like, oh, I can't believe we need all these tests. What's wrong with you? And you tell them and they're like, oh my goodness, you look so good. And I'm like, I do look, I look good, but I don't feel good. So, Sorry, I went off on a bit of a tangent. I don't no, know I what know. the question was.
0: No, this is perfect. Okay. We don't we don't have to cover all the questions. Right. I want to just hear what you have to say. Yeah. And what? So then, how do you feel? Like, how do you feel?
1: Uh, like right now, it's what, like ten thirty in the morning. Yeah, I'm feeling thirty. Pr- like I'm that. feeling pretty good. Okay. Um, every day I'm like a toddler. Every day I, I have to have a nap at like between one or two o'clock for an hour. Okay. But I'm finding now that even after I have that nap, I'm I'm done. Like my I'm done. The energy level is just. He's gone. Kaputs, right. So I get from about eight o'clock in the morning till about one or two o'clock of good energy, you know, I, like feeling awake and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then the mid to late afternoon is just kind of like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so
0: do you find that, um, to ha- have a job, do you find that it's, um, like, how do you fit that in? Uh,
1: well, luckily, like I said, I get to work from home. Yeah. So I get to, I can choose my hours. So, Um, you know, sometimes I'll do stuff in the morning, a little bit in the morning and then a little bit after my nap and then maybe I'll just check in again a little bit, you know, right around the, where the end of the, the, in air quotes, the end of the day would be for people at work. Yeah.
0: Okay. And
1: so, and also, um, there's a lot of symptoms that they tell you about, which luckily I haven't I haven't exhibited, other than fatigue is the only one, but it's funny. uh, I say funny. Um, (laughs) I'm feeling like nauseous. So like, I'll feel like there's like, it's like if you've eaten too much. Yeah. And you feel kind of sick that way. Yeah. I'll feel like that even if I haven't eaten. So trying to make myself eat throughout the day is hard. Like I'll wake up hungry and eat, but then I won't be hungry till again, again, till like six o'clock at night. So trying to get food into me is hard because my body's just like, I don't no, he, yeah. and, or, uh, my wife works at home too. And if she's out working somewhere and I'm at home, she'll call me and she'll say at like two o'clock after my, she's like, what have you had to eat today? I'm like, whatever we had for breakfast. Like, I just, I don't even think about it because my brain, I'm not hungry. So my brain doesn't say eat. Right. So yeah.
0: Okay. And how much, uh, how much sleep do you find that you need?
1: Like in a night? I usually get uh, a good eight hours. Yeah. And then I get, like I said, an hour nap.
0: The nap, yeah.
1: Yeah. But sometimes I'm going to try to see, um, because almost like when I take the hour nap, I I wake up almost feeling hungover. It's kind of funny to say, but I feel that way. So I might try like a half hour in the morning and a half hour in the afternoon. Okay. Because sometimes if you get like a good 20 minute nap, you Mm -hmm. know, it's almost better than nothing. Yeah. Right. I'm going to test that out and see if that might be better.
0: Okay. And so then what do you find, um, like, let's get a little intimate here. What kinds of things scare you?
1: And Um, it, it can
0: be, it can be to do with the kidney disease or it can be to do with like side effects of your depression, anxiety, your life.
1: Um, that's a good question. My dad's getting worked up as a donor. And I'm, o- and he's older. Okay. And I'm like, I just, I'm like, if anything happens to him because of this, that always is in the back of my mind. Yeah. But everyone around me, and I, the rational part of my brain is like, they won't do anything if they don't think he's able to. But he's in his late seventies. Healthy as a horse. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just always there. Like, if something happens, it's because of me, which is irrational, but it's still, you know, in my head. Yeah. And then I don't, my, what I do is I don't usually think of things until it happens. Like there's, there were tests that they would do and I, and I'd say that doesn't sound nice. So I would just put it out of my head because once I Googled what a test was and I was <laughs> like, well, that was stupid because it's still a month away. And now I, every day I think about it. So right, I just, yeah. I don't, not, not in an unhealthy way, but I just, I don't think about it until it happens. And that's how I find I deal with it. Yeah. Like I don't like hospitals. I have to go there a lot and uh, like I was talking to my social worker who's provided for the by the hospital um, and I was saying you know how long will I be in the hospital when once I get the transplant she's like probably a week maybe more so I was glad I asked that question but now I sort of have to put that out of my mind until it happens yeah so that's and I talked to her about it. Like I, I don't push it down. I just, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to put that on the shelf over here. Yeah. And then when I'm ready, I'll take it back off that shelf. So I that, just sort of, I'm able to put it out of my mind in a healthy way. And yeah. Think about it till it happens.
0: That totally makes sense. I was listening to, I think it was, I was either listening to a podcast or it's possible that I learned this, um, during a therapy session with Verity, Verity Vale. um, when you're thinking about something that you're worried about that's going to happen in the future, it's, your brain doesn't understand that it's not actually happening. So you're, you live through it, right. and you take on all the stress and anxiety of that experience. And so basically by the time you actually arrive at the event, you've lived through the stress <laughs> and anxiety of that event numerous times. Right. And so like what's the point of doing that? So it's like you have managed to healthily deal with that
1: issue, yeah.
0: which, um, is something that I am trying to, to deal with. Like that's something, something that I'm working on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then how do you manage to keep it? Like, how do you manage to just set it on the shelf? What do you like? Is there a certain thought process that you
1: have? I just, I just acknowledge it's going to happen. Yeah. And I'll put it in my count, Help! It helps to like write it down somewhere. Or like if they send the letter, I'll put it on the fridge. Okay. Or uh, I usually put it on my calendar, put it on the fridge, and then that sort of takes it out of, like, I don't have to worry about it now because it will, I will be reminded. So
0: it's out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's out there. So it doesn't have to be in my head because it's there.
1: Yeah. Put it in my calendar. I'll get a notification the day before. Yeah. Then I can start worrying about it again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Makes much, much more sense than worrying about it for a month beforehand. Mm -hmm. And so, um, okay. So would you say that this would fall under a fear that you've overcome or what is a fear that you have overcome?
1: Um, just the whole thought of having to do, uh, dialysis and transplant. Cause they were, at first they were like immediately tra- dialysis and I went to classes and I learned how to do, there's two types. I learned how to do both and it was very, uh, just all at once. And then they were like, well, you're doing a little bit better. We're going to hope that you can go right to transplant. And it's just the, I call it the ish factor. Like ish, is it going to be, you know, dialysis or transplant? So it's just just sort of uh, realizing that it's happening and that, like I said before, it's it's only going to get better and just trying to live every day up in, in a positive way. Like just take it how it comes because... You know, there's nothing. I know, I know, I know things are going to get worse before they get better. So just sort of trying to prepare for the worstness. That's not a word, but
0: <laughs> that's great. Well, I like making up words. <laughs> <laughs> um, and okay, so I there's so much that you said that I'm just kind of like okay. It's leading to so many other questions. When you're looking at the future then and you're saying, okay, yeah, I know that this part's going to happen. I know that it's going to get worse before it actually gets better. Mm-hmm. What um, It's like you're clearing the path. Right. So it's like, you find, do you find that like when things aren't ambiguous, that it really does help with the stress? Yeah. And you have, so you've been diagnosed with anxiety and depression, or that's something that you, that you live with, that you deal with. Yeah. And is that something that came along before you learned about, well, I guess you learned about the kidney issues. Well, I guess, no, you thought that they were pretty much done by the end of high school. Right. And then yeah. you learned just last year. Was it, you said last year, Yeah,
1: about last May,
0: last May. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, when did the depression and anxiety develop in this timeline?
1: It was actually be a little bit before that. And I had been working on that, which was, I think good that I sort of had that under control. Um, Because this was pretty heavy. Yeah. And, um, I did, I did feel sort of down in the dumps, I guess, depressed when it first happened, but, um, getting out and going to the gym and trying to get a routine helped. Yeah. And luckily the anxiety hasn't been as bad for about a, uh, two or three years. I was on medication and that just made it worse. And I'm like, I'm not taking medication for that. So I stopped and, uh yeah, I got help. And I think it's good that I've learned, you know, how to cope with a lot of things. It's, uh, it's, it's almost, it was lucky that I had sort of had the depression and anxiety and learned how to work through that and how to help myself because this whole kidney thing could have been pretty devastating if I didn't have the help that I had had or the skills or how to help myself. So I guess it kind of prepared me for dealing with this big, life-changing situation.
0: Yeah. And what does, okay. This is something that I've just like started to realize lately. I don't actually understand. Like I didn't realize that I really had anxiety until I understood what the symptoms of it are. And I know that like, I think that there are some ideas that people have that are pretty like typical. Like, you know, it's like that whole, like the feeling in your stomach and you're like all tense and stuff, Mm -hmm. but it can present itself in so many other ways. And so What like how does it feel like to you when you're feeling anxious? What is it's like
1: butterflies in your stomach? It's like as if you're gonna go in front and speak in front of a bunch of people, and you're just kind of like all stiff and ah, like you just everything feels uneasy.
0: Yeah, everything feels uneasy. Yeah. And then when you are feeling depressed, how does that feel? And like, are you do you feel anxious and depressed at the same time, or does it seem to be like a teeter totter?
1: Yeah, the the depression just kind of like, you know, I'm just going to go. And it's hard where I work from home because it's so easy to just go lie down. Yes. And just like have a nap for and, you know, lay down at like one o'clock and you wake up and then it's five o'clock and you're like, oh, well, that's, that's my day. So yeah, might as well keep sleeping for a little bit longer.
0: Yeah. I have the same thing because like, since all my kids start going, going to school in September, um, I started realizing that I was actually pretty depressed. Because I, I don't really know why, but I, the way that I finally realized it was because I would just get so tired and mm-hmm. just, I, it was like, can't, I can't keep my eyes open. It mm-hmm. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I got a good sleep last night mm-hmm. and the night before. Like, so this really doesn't make any sense. And then it finally, it was just like, oh, I'm feeling <laughs> depressed. That's what that is. Do you find like, so like, it can just sneak up on you so easily.
1: Yeah. I've been, uh, I must admit, I, th- I feel like I'm pretty lucky. That, um, if it does, I haven't felt, I guess, anxious in a while and it doesn't, I'm pretty good at, uh, having it not last very long. Yeah. Cause I'm able to talk myself down or, you know, a, uh, my wife and I call it a state change, like maybe going for a walk or even having a shower Yeah, or just like meditating, listening to some meditation music. Yeah. Just, just something to change up what you're doing. I find helps.
0: So if, yeah. Okay. So if you're starting to feel anxious, changing what you're doing. Yeah.
1: Really State change help. is what we call it. Yeah.
0: State change, I like that.
1: Like in the sun, we can't do it now as often, but like we're we lived to we live close to a bunch of lakes. We go, we'd just like drop everything, go swim for a half hour, come back, and it's like it was just completely, so, just so calming.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. And so your wife seems like she's like a pretty awesome support.
1: She's pretty yeah. I I wouldn't be where I am right now without her for sure.
0: That's. That's really cool. (laughs) And so then how, like, so does she have some of the same things that she lives with or is it something that she's able, like how, how, how does the dynamic of your relationship work and how has it developed, um, as you face these challenges?
1: Uh, Sometimes she's a little bit of a harder, like when I can put something on the shelf and not think about it till it happens. Yeah. It's a little bit harder for her, which I feel bad for. Right. Like sometimes she gets really stressed. out. Like if I feel sick, she's like, well, how sick? Like, is this it? And, you know, mm. but um, I, f- I feel like we're really good support for each other. So now I know I know to say, I feel sick, but it's because of these reasons. Okay. And I, I'm feeling, you know, feeling all right, you know, all right enough. And it's usually just like a day or two. If it, you know, if it goes longer than that, that's when it's worse. But, and she's a really good cook which is nice so mm. we have to cook everything from scratch yeah so she's been really awesome at taking on like researching and she she knows her stuff about cooking and what to cook and I even have to ask her stuff I'm like I want to eat this is this okay because <laughs> <Like, laughs> I get brain fog sometimes that's a symptom I call it, I don't know what the technical term is but I call it brain fog like sometimes someone will say something to me and I'm just I just sit there and stare at them for a second because my brain's just like it's gone to sleep like I just I can conf- I can forget the simplest thing sometimes. So, it's okay. great to have her around because she knows all this stuff, and we support each other. And it's nice that she works from home sometimes. Sometimes we get on each other's nerves, but you know, it's good that uh, she's learned a lot from. Like she goes with me to a lot of my appointments, so she can learn and sort of rem- remember better than I can, and so give me support. Like if I have a question, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm able to ask her, not have to go back to the doctors. So. That's pretty handy. Yeah.
0: And so when you're having... Okay. And you said the brain fog is a symptom of...
1: Yeah. I don't know the what the community. actual technical yeah. term is, but yeah, just because I, th- I think it's just because I'm so fatigued and that my sense, body's yeah. just trying to work so hard to keep things going that sometimes I think it just must take energy from the brain to yeah <laughs> to, to run other things.
0: That totally makes sense. Mm. Like I've had times when... I mean... I've been tired because like I've been up for 24 hours or whatever. And then like that kind of sets in. So I can somewhat relate just as far as that's concerned. So that makes sense to me. And you were saying that you have, um, like, so you have the ability or at least you've been really working on the ability to change a thought when it's coming in, when it's coming into your head. And, um, like, how do you find, let me actually back up for a second when I was more pessimistic, I would say I'm not pe- a pessimist. I'm a realist. So now I, I would say that I'm more, well, obviously I'm more of an optimist. I named it podcast <laughs> after it. Um, <laughs> but um, there's still like that um, misconception of optimists missing reality. And so obviously... Reality smacks you in the face pretty much every day. Yeah. So then how do you take um, optimism and match it up with reality?
1: Um, a good question. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, usually usually if I'm feeling crappy, it doesn't last too long. And if I'm feeling crappy for the whole day, um, I'm like, well, part of my brain's like, well, is this it? And then... So what I say to myself is, if this is it, like, I I sound like a broken record, but if this mm-hmm. is it, they'll do what they need to do. And then hopefully soon enough, I'll feel better. You know, so I just, I try to, you know, okay, feel crappy, but it's almost, feel, the crappier you feel, the better you'll end up being in the long run.
0: So it's, it's hope.
1: Hope, I guess. Yeah, hope. Yeah.
0: And... Is hope something that you give yourself by saying, I like, it's going to get better in the future. Is that the hope? Yeah. And that's what gives you hope. Yeah. The hope of the future.
1: Yeah. And that also helps me. Like, sometimes I'm hard on myself. We'll be doing something and, um, like, I'll feel guilty about having a nap. Like, I'm really tired. I need a nap. And my wife will be like, why do you feel guilty? Like, you, you've been, you've been, uh, told by your medical team. You must nap. So it was, that was really hard at first to get over. And even sometimes now, of like if we're in the middle of something, I'm like, I got a nap, but I feel guilty about even saying it now. But yeah. I know in my mind, this will help me feel better. So the, in the future, if I have a nap, it'll be, it's a lazy Sunday. Let's just have a nap to have a nap. Yeah. Uh, I need it to live.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Right. And so, so you know that you need to have a nap to live and yet you feel guilty. What are the thoughts that go into your head to make you feel guilty?
1: Uh, like if we're cleaning stuff up, you know, oh, just push through and finish, you know, you can have a nap later. And then the rational part of my brain is saying, if you sleep later, you're even more tired or it just doesn't seem to, it doesn't make sense. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's not the worst thing. It's an hour. Yeah. So I have a little war words in my head sometimes.
0: Yeah. But. And you, so then would you say that <laughs> confronting those thoughts and actually addressing them and like kind of having that conversation in your head helps make you stronger? Yeah. yeah and and then you must have other techniques that you use to help make you strong. Would you say? Uh, I kind of just like to put you on the spot is kind yeah. of, I find that... Um, for me, people, if someone were to be like, what makes you strong? I would just be like,
1: "Yeah, I, I don't know. know. I don't know. Uh, um, I guess sort of taking the reins and changing the life, my life, the way I did with the help of my wife. Like the social worker that I saw was like, if everyone, if everyone did what you did, our jobs would be so much easier because they give you these suggestions and that's all they can do is suggest. Right. Like right, they said, they can't make you they said. You know, try to reduce your stress, lose some weight, firm up your eating, you know, do all these things. And we were like, obviously we're going to do that to the, as best as we can. And now, you know, here I am a year and a half, not a half, but like a year and a bit later. Yeah. So I guess just that made me stronger, you know, making, you know, taking the reins and just saying, we're going to do this and we're going to do whatever we have to do to make things as good as possible in the situation we have.
0: So it's like you assess the situation and then you were like, ah, like you actually looked for the parts of it that you had control over. Yeah. And that made you t- correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like that's what made you take more ownership for your life and feel more control.
1: Yeah. Kind of gave me a kick in the pants. Like I was following my diet ish. Yeah. Right. Like I would eat good at home, but I would, I, uh, my problem was stress eating work was stressful there's a Tim Hortons right there. Yeah. Couple donuts and a hot chocolate's not, not the end of the world. Well, it is, or a tin of pops better than a bottle of pop, a, a 500 milliliter bottle of pop or whatever. Well, no, all pop is bad. Right. And right. I would feel crappy after I ate it. And that would, I don't know. It was just, it was a vicious cycle.
0: But it's, it's funny because it actually is, <laughs> there's Picard again. Um, it, it's, that thought process is something that like everyone can relate to Mm -hmm. because like it is just like, well, it's just one glass of wine, but then it's, you know, you finish that and then you're like, well, it's just one more. Like if everybody can relate to that on some level, it's just one chocolate bar. It's just, you know, a couple hours that I spend playing on my phone before I Mm -hmm. actually get to my work.
1: So now what I do is like, well, uh, We'll have like a treat. We call it a treat. Like you know, maybe we'll go. <coughs> excuse me. We'll pick somewhere not as bad, like A and W. We'll go like once a month or once every couple months. Or you okay,
0: know. yeah, because you're gonna have to have those like little.
1: And sometimes we'll say like, I really like craft dinner. Like craft dinner. I grew up on craft dinner. That was my go-to when I was younger. Yeah, me too. When, if <laughs> uh, sort of a funny, not funny story. Like my mom knew once when I was really sick. When I um, when I was about four or five, that she made craft dinner, and I was too sick to eat the craft dinner. She's like, "There's something wrong. Whoa. We must go to the doctor. <laughs> He's not eating craft dinner." Yeah, um, yeah, that would be. But that's so funny. now some like we'll have because sometimes it's it's really hard because you're 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 on the go, you're running around. You know, a lot of people like to you know you go get takeout because that's simple. You know, you're tired yeah. at night. We just don't have that luxury because you don't know the salt content or. Like I have cravings now that I never had before, like pepperoni pizza, but Ooh. tomato sauce, can't have tomatoes. Pepperoni is too spicy. Cheese, I can only have so much milk a day. You know, it's like, but it's like I'm craving things. I had a craving for a Big Mac the other day. Literally, I haven't had one of those in like two years. I don't even know what they taste like anymore, but.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, so then how do you encounter these cravings and then just deny them?
1: <coughs> well, sometimes we we'll, um, sometimes we'll cave and we'll, we'll try to come up with a solution or we'll just, you know, maybe get a slice, go to local pizza place and get a slice and split it. Okay. So it's not as bad. Right. And then for the next couple of days, I just have to really watch my potassium intake.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so it's like.
1: So like the dietitian is like, you can't completely, it's hard to completely cut out absolutely everything. Yeah. So, you know, say I want, say I want a sandwich with tomatoes on it. That's not going to kill me. I can have it. But for the next couple of days, I need to not have any potassium or as little as possible. Right. So you just have to. So
0: so you're like bouncing reality with optimism. Yeah.
1: Like, oh my
0: gosh, that (laughs) totally makes sense. So it's not, yeah. So it's not this unrealistic uh, idea of actually like absolutely cutting out certain foods because as many as much as many of us try to cut out completely cut out something like it's just not going to happen not like in the long run
1: I I've I haven't had a banana in over 2 years like oranges orange juice um like the, like there's certain things I've just abs- uh, milk you haven't like had a- I've just cut them out because I I want to be able to like I love ketchup so if we have certain things like scrambled eggs and ketchup, I know some people are like gross, but.
0: No, I like scrambled eggs and ketchup. So yeah,
1: that's, that's so if I don't eat certain other things, like I can have scrambled eggs with a little bit of ketchup or my wife loves French fries. So if yeah, she gets French fries, I can have one or two. Okay. Right. So you just compromise. And I know someday if I want to, if I want to have a whole plate of fries to myself, I will.
0: <laughs> so it's the hope in the future again. The hope in the future. yeah. And, um, I, I love that. I love the way that you approach this because it's so tangible. Mm-hmm. Like that's just such a, it kind of helps take some of the pressure off. Yeah. And so, okay. There was something else I wanted to ask you. Okay. Yeah, here we go. So when you're feeling some of those days where like the world is kind of on your shoulders do you find that you have any memories that you go back to or scenes in your head that you would ever go back to, to help you feel like safe and at peace? Like what Mm. are the techniques that you have to like, kind of like center yourself? Like for me, I found that, um, I think back to when I was a little girl and I was going to bed and either my mom, my mom and my grandma would do this, they would say just picture that you're laying in a field and there're flowers all around you and the sky is blue with a couple little clouds and you can hear the birds and and so that's like something that i just kind of go back to and i but it's like i have that entire memory so even the safety of knowing that my mom or my grandma like they're right there and i'm i'm safe and i'm thinking about this
1: mm-hmm. scene i don't know i don't usually I don't know that I'd go to memories. I never thought of that. But what I'll do is I'll just put on like some meditation music. Yeah. Okay. I'll just like lay on the floor and put something over my eyes and just, you know, put a timer on for like 15 or 20 minutes and just sort of let my brain shut off.
0: So it's just like, it's just allowing you that time to be a human. Yeah. And do what you need to
1: do. Like I know I said earlier, the state change, like just, it's funny, but just jumping in the shower for like 10 minutes. And just standing under the water.
0: And that that offers like.
1: It just calms me down. It calms you down.
0: It's interesting that it's like, you know, having showers, that's water, or going to the lake and swimming, that's water. Right, yeah. (laughs) Does water tend to have like a calming effect on you?
1: I guess it does, yeah. Yeah. I never thought of that
0: that's interesting. I find that I love looking at the water and I, I, and I enjoy swimming and all that kind of thing. But I also have like a bit of anxiety around it because I, well, I watched Jaws as a kid, which there you go. (laughs) (laughs) But also like Titanic, you know, so like I've never been on like out to sea.
1: Right. Yeah. The ocean freaks me out.
0: Yeah. It freaks you out too. It's freaky, right? Because
1: it's like, they've done all this stuff in space, which is in who knows how big, but there's still parts of the ocean they haven't explored.
0: Right? There are so many. There's so much out there that we just don't know. Yeah. It's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I go swimming and I'm like in the ocean and I'm, it's like, I, I don't like to go anywhere that's over my head. Yeah. And like, I don't even like it to be up to my neck because mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't see what's in there and, but I do know that there is stuff in there. Yeah. 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 Sorry to go off track there. For That's a okay. <laughs> so okay, that aspect of water not so calming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> calming, not calming.
0: Calming, <laughs> not calming. All right, it's the yin and yang. That's right of the water. And so, uh, how do you how do you take on each day? Do you have like a certain way that like when you wake up, you're just kind of like, all right, here are my thoughts, and I'm going to just accept this, or do you have like?
1: I just I just wake up and go. Basically, like I just wake up and I try to have a routine, but it's not really working. But
0: it's routines are hard. Picard's chewing on a ruler, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
1: routines are hard, and that's uh, yeah, that's my biggest downfall is trying to stick to a routine.
0: Mine too, my friend. It's hard. I've been trying to get into this like routine of getting up early. Like I, I had mastered it for a while, um, but then of course. It went out of control, and I'm trying to like get back in this routine. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I was actually talking with a friend the other day, and it was like saying, We were talking about habits and how you build habits. Yeah. And um, I like you, it depends on what study you're looking at. People can say that it takes, you know, three solid days, and other people like, No, it's three months, and other people are like, No, it's six months or mm-hmm. hundred and 20 days. I've I've heard 20 days or something like that. You've heard 20 days? Yeah. Yeah. Like you just, it seems to be all over the place. Maybe there's somebody out there who knows a more reliable statistic regarding that. But he brought up that like something isn't really a habit or can't really be declared a habit until the day you die. Because then it's like, well, see, I did that my entire life. So that was my habit. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, that's, so bleak <laughs> but it kind of like gave me a little bit more perspective and it's all just like it's all about the journey I mean the end destination is death so of course it's all about the journey <laughs> and just trying to like be more realistic with how you're going to take on each day yeah and, and compensating yeah I, for a while I didn't like the word compensating because I was it was presented to me as a bad word right but it's, I don't, like now, I don't think it's a bad word. It's like a realistic wor- yeah, word. Would, yeah. you, would you agree? Like, yeah. It seems like you've kind of modeled your life around compensation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. So I have a question that I do like to ask everybody. And I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about this. Okay. What does it look to you to be mentally healthy?
1: That is a good question. I guess just um like being aware of where you're at and acknowledging, you know, the good and the bad and just sort of knowing how to help yourself. Like how to how to cure that I guess. How to be self aware and you know, if you're having a bad day, what can I do to help that bad day and just not not putting it on a negative shelf, I guess.
0: I like that. So it's like instead of the idea of like just enduring, you're actually embracing.
1: Embracing, yeah.
0: And what was it? What was it you just said? Uh, acknowledging the good and the bad. Yeah. Because that also brings up that idea, or that habit <laughs> that I have. Hopefully, it won't be a official habit. But um where it's like you a bad thought comes into your head and you're like that's a bad thought that needs to leave now. But in, instead it's like no let's take a little bit of time and, and look yeah. at it.
1: Or even like write it write it down or journal or something. Just get it out.
0: It's amazing how like just getting something out really does clear your it's head. It's like with
1: the appointments. I see it, I put it somewhere and then I don't have to worry about it. I've acknowledged it, but I don't have to worry about it till I have to do it.
0: That's really cool. <laughs> you had a, you have a lot of techniques that um, I feel like I'm gonna want to adopt into my life because it's funny how like when you have something that's life threatening, how all of a sudden it causes you to strip back,
1: yeah, everything, <laughs> yeah.
0: And actually, there was one other question I wanted to ask you sure. because you the doctor told you that you were supposed to avoid stress. Yes. Stress is like everywhere.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> How do you do that?
1: Uh, I really find working from home helps. And just if I start to feel stressed, do some of the things I talk about. I have a state change, have a shower, try to meditate, talk it out with someone. Just try to try to think of what's stressing me out and try to get rid of it. Or you so,
0: know, so it's like actually pinpointing your stress. You yeah, like just to, like, stopping and there.
1: saying, I'm stressed, why?
0: Yeah, because I find that like for me, and I think that most people can relate to this. You feel stressed, yeah. but like you just feel it, and then you just like enjoy Keep going. it. Yeah. yeah, push through. Yeah,
1: don't push through. <laughs>
0: don't don't do it. Don't, don't push do it. through. Yeah, which I think is good advice for anyone. Mm-hmm. Stress kills, of course. That's what they say, yep. and, and no one really listens. Like they're just like, oh yeah, stress kills. I should be less stressed, but I'm not going to change anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which of course that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> So it's so funny too. It's just like, well, I'm just going to change the way I think about stress. Like how are you actually going to change the way you think about stress? You have to actually act. You have to do something. It's about like the behavior. Yeah. Which is exactly what you're doing.
1: I'm trying. <laughs> yeah.
0: Fascinating. Yeah, that's fascinating. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about
1: Thanks all Thank for this. having me.
0: Yeah. And to everyone who's listening, thank you so much for listening in. I hope that you've found something that is, uh, that's helpful to you and has helped open your eyes to some other situations that perhaps you're facing in your life. I know that, that definitely, it seems like these things happen at a time in my life where I need to hear that. You know, when you have something already on your mind and yep. you have a conversation with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what this is doing to me. <laughs> so it was really good. Yeah. And uh, just everyone also, you know, thank you. And just know that wherever you are, I'm just sitting here loving you. So I hope you have a great morning, afternoon, evening, and night, and we'll be talking to you soon.